0: You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Tretter and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become
1: American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Aubrey Andrus, an award-winning children's book author and former American Girl magazine editor. Aubrey lives in Los Angeles with her family and has recently released the Look Up book series, an inspiring collection for girls sharing the stories of diverse women in STEM careers, plus nine titles for American Girls advice and activity books. Aubrey grew up in the Chicago suburbs where she was a competitive gymnast and loved writing, drawing, and dreamed of designing theme parks as a Disney Imagineer. Aubrey also had a strong love for AG, acquiring five dolls and enjoying the magazine where she would one day work. We are so excited to have her on the podcast today. Aubrey, welcome to AGW.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: We are so excited to have you on. This has truly been an episode that we have been just so filled with anticipation to record because you have so many insider insights to share with us on American Girl today. And I mean, just in the past like 30 minutes that we've been chatting with you before recording, (laughs) it's been so fun, but we can't wait to get into it.
2: All right, let's do it.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Aubrey, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It is such a dream to be able to connect with people who were involved with American Girl in different facets. And yours is a story that we haven't heard yet. So we are so thankful that AG brought us together and, you know, we've been on Instagram, like writing with each other for the past couple of months and
2: excited to finally have this conversation with you on our podcast. So many amazing things on your Instagram that has just brought back (laughs) a flood of memories. We were talking about like all the mid nineties goodness.
1: (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) We love a nostalgia moment, Mm -hmm. but before we chat through all things, American girl, what were you like growing up?
2: So I was a very creative kid, Um, really liked anything artsy-craftsy, drawing, writing, um, and was a big reader. I was really into gymnastics, so like competitive gymnastics, and also did, had to take some ballet for for four-by gymnastics and did a lot of other types of dancing too. And I really liked playing outside. Um, I lived on a block with uh, two girls on either side of me, so we had like girl posse they uh, also had American Girl dolls, so it was, like, pretty dreamy childhood.
1: Can you tell us more about being a competitive gymnast?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, like, you know, super hardcore or, like, some people I knew, but um, just, uh, we actually had, like, meets and medals, and, you know, I had to, I was very proud of my round-off back, handspring back tuck, you know, and wow. um, had to do a back tuck on the balance beam, you know, like, those were the the big learning, you know, doing the splits, like these are like the biggest uh, challenges of my childhood. So
0: yeah, <laughs> oh, oh my god,
1: That's
2: I, so cool. I'm oh,
0: yeah. so impressed by all this. Because I mean, some people were gymnasts as is- kids and then some people were gymnasts as kids and it sounds like <laughs> you're the latter those are very impressive <laughs>
2: impressive skills honestly that's amazing yeah I mean one cool thing is that like do you remember like the presidential fitness like awards you yeah know, yes. I would I would like beat all the boys and pull-ups and like I'm sure mile, so yeah it <laughs> You oh, know, my God. Probably some street cred. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, I would be like not doing a single pull up, um, walking the mile the whole way. And <laughs> that like sit and reach thing that you'd have to do. I'd be, I'd be like barely making a dent and yeah, like I was, whatever. Yeah, I about that.
2: I was so good at the sit and reach. <laughs>
1: hey, that was like the one thing I could do. Like yeah. sit and reach. I excelled running a mile. Absolutely not.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I like
1: still am traumatized by the mile. Yeah, um, <laughs> That's really glamorous though, that you took ballet lessons for your gymnastics.
2: Yeah. That, I like hate it. Yeah, I hated the ballet at the time. Cause we were so yeah. used to flipping around and running around <laughs> and you know, being so active. And so the ballet was very like, you know, forced for me but now as an adult I so appreciate the ballet and
1: yeah I you know, wish
2: I stuck with it and would like to take some adult ballet classes
1: yeah definitely oh, totally. I have been doing ballet for I don't know since I was maybe three through almost high school and then when I moved to New York in my 20s and then uh during the pandemic like there are so many zoom ballet classes and it's like such a fun way to get back into it even like um there are some really great studios in New York that I was taking classes at, but like, I really enjoyed like a virtual class over the pandemic. It felt like there was like zero pressure. Like you're just dancing from your heart. Like I was right. like <laughs> dressing in like themed outfits, as long as it was like long and flowy and like, I can move in
2: it. Like, right, I it love was that. quite fun. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking into some virtual options. Cause I do not feel ready to just like step yeah. into a studio. <laughs> you know? Right. Like eases you back into it. Yeah. <laughs> There's also some heels classes in LA that are like it's like the lady who started the Pussycat dolls. She oh has my God. Like, a yes. heels studio that's like some pretty intense like sexy dancing. So Oh that my God.
1: Also fun. <laughs> that is really fun. When I was like yeah. super broke when I first moved to New York, I was like, wait, I could just like YouTube different dances. And that's how I will exercise. And I thought I was really onto something there. Like it was probably like so common. It just wasn't like registering for me in like 2011. And I thought it was like really like novel. And Uh I would do so many pussycat doll dances. Like (laughs) I I loved it. I was Uh, like, I'm in my own little one-bedroom apartment. No one can see me. Right, right. (laughs) This is ideal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. That's so That is
0: amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, with competitive gymnastics and the ballet lessons, you must have been a pretty busy kid.
2: Yeah, I feel like I was. I mean, we did practice probably a few times a week um, for Mm -hmm. gymnastics. So yeah, it was more intense, you know, than your, I don't know, regular kind of sport um, yeah and yeah and then I did um like dance team in high school and we also like we would win state and you know so that was like a big part of my of my high school you know childhood um, very cool yeah so dance was always a big part of my life And wow yeah loved it
0: <laughs> was there anything in particular you remember from your childhood and not to like you know, put the cart before the horse here, that you feel like, oh, it makes so much sense that I loved that. And that's, you know, what sort of led you to become a writer or engage with, um, you know, AG in the way that you did, like, could, were there like seeds of that sort of in your childhood, a sign of what was to come?
2: I think so. Like at a pretty young age, I kind of realized that I was like a big consumer of like kids media, like TV, movies, theme parks, whatever, you know, I like, I don't know, I just really liked consuming <laughs> things. Yeah. Like, and and I was creative. So I was like writing my own stories and drawing things and making maps of the neighborhood and like that kind of thing. And then I, at somewhere probably when I was around like nine or 10, I kind of realized that like adults were making things for kids. And so I think like Judy Bloom was one of my favorite authors. And for whatever reason, I must have like, just read about her in the back of the book or something but like she took um ballet lessons as a, as a grown up and like there was just mm. some interesting little facts about her that like made her feel like a real person so yeah. i think i was always drawn to, i realized at a young age that you could like make stuff for kids as a grown up And so I think, um, and I was very obsessed with, um, Disney theme parks and like how they were made, like by the Imagineers was like, we're like the engineers who actually designed the rides. And so I kind of in tandem was obsessed with American girl and this idea of like being a Disney Imagineer. And so I think it makes a lot of sense that I worked for kids media and anything for kids. It's just something that I just always really loved.
0: That totally make sense. I think for a lot of us, even if it's not extremely obvious for some of us versus others, there's always things from our childhood that maybe were like hints of what was to come for our adult selves. But Getting into American Girl, let's talk about how you first were exposed to American Girl. I know you mentioned playing American Girl with your neighbors, but what was truly your first memory of
2: being exposed to American Girl? So, I do have a vague memory of my mom showing me the catalog, and I confirmed the story with her. And when she was pregnant with my sister. So I was about to turn six. Um, Mm -hmm. she wanted to get me a doll. So I feel like this is a common thing where like the new baby's coming. So then like you're given a doll, (laughs) um, like some kind of, you know, extra special birthday treat. Um, and so she says she remembers like, so it was, this was, I was born in 1984. So this was like around 1989 or 1990. And she remembers like showing me the original like catalog with just the three dolls and that I picked out Kirsten um, from that. And so I got her for my sixth birthday. Yeah. I don't remember Do you- getting her, but I vaguely remember looking at the catalog. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what drew you to Kirsten or did your mom have any
2: insight into that? I don't remember. Like, I really don't. Cause I'm surprised I wouldn't have picked Samantha or Molly because they had brown hair like I did. But um, maybe I just, I liked her braids a lot. For, so for gymnastics, I used to, my mom used to French braid my hair and then like tuck it under kind of like Kirsten's little loops, you know? Yeah. I so love that. Maybe it was, maybe it was. The hair. <laughs>
1: That's yeah. so fun. And were yeah. you the first of your friends to have an American girl doll?
2: I think I must've been, um, the, my two best friends who lived on either side of me, one came from a family of four girls and um, and she was the youngest. So there's a chance one of them had one before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we couldn't, my mom and I couldn't quite remember like how we were introduced to it, but I did grow up in the Chicago suburbs and American girls from uh, Middleton, Wisconsin, which wasn't like terribly far away. So um, I think, I feel like, I don't know, it was kind of known as like a local company. So yeah. somehow it came across our radar.
1: That's so cool. I was actually looking at a catalog that I have from 1989 earlier today. And it's so interesting to see just the three dolls there.
2: Yeah, I would love to see that catalog.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, there are so many similarities to the catalog that we knew from the 90s. But there were some layouts in the catalog that were like slightly different than what they had in later years like the page with the bedroom sets had like the full collection laid out so you could yeah. see every like accessory and outfit there I remember that
2: <laughs> yeah
1: it's cool to see like everything like on display like that
2: yeah I think I also really liked Kirsten's blue trunk too I think I yes. really liked that yes. like a painted trunk mm-hmm.
0: Kirsten's accessories, I feel like, were so, um, I mean, like, they were so, like, folksy. I know that she's, like, her story is that she's an immigrant from Sweden, but there's something, like, very, like, Americana, like, folk art vibes about her Mm -hmm. whole Collection. It's very like little house on the prairie, which was another thing I think a lot of American Girl fans liked at the time. Um, yeah. So she she was kind of like in that same niche, and I feel like that trunk and the bed and like that furniture in her bedroom was so special and unique and like also really well made. It seemed like
2: yeah, and Definitely. she seems kind of like down to earth. I feel like Samantha was very fancy. You know, Molly was always like I feel like a tiny bit dorky, you know. So, <laughs> I know, at the time, Kirsten was like, you know, the, in yeah. the middle, like <laughs>
1: right, a good middle ground. Um, yeah. What other dolls did you have in your collection?
2: So then I feel like I was just like how I grew up during like the pinnacle of Disney movies, where we went from like Little Mermaid to like Aladdin to a Lion King, and you know, yep. you got all the big ones. Um, yes. Uh, I feel like I got all the releases of like the next cells. So then Felicity came out and I had to have her. I mean, just yes. like absolutely fell in love with her. I-, I do remember being like so excited to get her. And then Addie came out and I had to have her, you know, like, loved her stories. Yeah. Um, and then the Girls of Today came out. And of course I had to have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I picked the Asian doll cause I thought she was beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you are the third person that we know that has told us that.
2: Yes. Yeah, right? She's so beautiful. Yeah. I think
0: beautiful. that a lot of people were, were really taken with that doll in the girl of today collection. So it's, it's interesting that it's come up so often,
2: but that's awesome. Yeah. So I think she was like, uh, number four or whatever. And then at that same time, my sister, um, picked out that. Uh, 6.1, which I just learned from Stafford at American Girl Therapy that it is the rarest American Girl doll. It has black hair and brown eyes and light skin. And I was like, she had posted on her Instagram Instagram about it. And I was like, wait a minute. And I texted my sister like, is this your doll? And she's like, oh no, nah, I don't think so. And then I texted my mom and she was like, yeah, that's it. And she sent a picture. <laughs> And we're like, she's like, yeah, she's in a bin in the laundry room. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny. Yeah. So my gosh, we both picked kind of rare dolls. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. And then you capped it all off with Josefina who's one of my yeah. favorites
2: yeah I think so I think at that time I was definitely like too old to be playing with the dolls but I had a sister who was six years younger than me and I just I loved American Girl so much and so she was so beautiful and so I think she was kind of like my I know I'm too old for this but I'm getting it anyway yeah that's <laughs> incredible
1: was your sister also into American Girl and did she expand on your collection um yes. or your collection
2: yeah, she definitely expanded. She got the bitty baby then when bitty baby mm-hmm. came out, um, because bitty amazing bitty baby did not exist um, for me. So we got her a bitty baby. Then, like I said, she got one of the girls that looked like you. I feel like she probably had another one or two, and I just can't remember. Um, but I feel like I was the one that was super obsessed, and then she also, you know, yeah, would kind of tag along. Um, and we would play together. We would sometimes make. Um, like stop motion movies of our dolls
1: oh my god <laughs> like, fun
2: there's definitely like some old you know like giant video camera footage of like us yeah trying to wow. do stop motion dolls which now is like all over YouTube, you know. like right. it's So funny that like that's still a thing. Seriously. Yeah. That's yeah. that's
0: honestly that's how I'm pretty sure like American Girl makes their social media content in the stop motion style yeah. as
2: well. Yeah. So
0: that's, you were ahead of your time. Apparently. Right? No yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> They're terrible. <Seriously>. But...
1: <laughs> yeah. That style yeah. lends itself so well to American girl doll content. Right. That's so yeah. fun.
2: Mm. I love that.
1: Were you also like recording voiceover with it or putting it to music?
2: I can't remember. I feel like we, because we were like so bad at filming, we would kind of do more like a fashion show. So we would kind of like Put them on like a wagon and like pull it and they would be like waving <laughs> you know and like yes <laughs> so yeah it was oh my god so mostly that's... when i when i played with them it was um kind of like setting up a scene you know yeah yeah yes. like, playing with each other but it was a lot of like dressing them up and like setting them up
0: yeah, yeah. that's something that i kind of forgot until i started you know talking with more people about it but When I think of the ways in which I was playing with my American Girl dolls, I personally feel like it was really all about just changing their outfits and like making sure their hair looked the way I wanted it to and then like posing them in like a furniture setup or something like that. And not so much like acting out scenarios, if
1: that makes sense. Yeah, agreed. Um, Right.
2: Agreed. Even with, with Barbies, I was like the same way. I just loved like setting it all up.
1: yeah Yeah. oh my god I I want to set up right now
2: (laughs) yeah I do
1: (laughs) honestly
0: honestly Aubrey was there anything that you remember once you sort of were starting to grow your collection that you saw in the catalog or at someone else's house in their collection that you were like oh my gosh I have to have this I want it so bad but never got
2: Yeah. I feel like I, I never got Samantha, but I always loved everything in her collection. So I think I, I definitely had her like sailor outfit. Um, but I would have loved her birthday party, like set with the little, um, all the little food and the little glasses and the table. I mean, it was just so beautiful. So that probably would be my top of my list. Even when I see pics of it today on Instagram, I'm like, I'm going to have to buy that. So. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so
1: glamorous.
2: Yeah. And I have two daughters now. They're one and five. And so the five-year-old, I really wanted to get her a doll for her fifth birthday. But I learned that American Girl at the Grove closed. And, <gasps> you know, they're they're opening it in a different mall. Um, yeah. And so I was like, well, I wanted to for her to have the whole experience. Yeah. You know, like now it can't happen. So I'm basically delaying it a year. Um, like all, just so we can do the whole thing, but I'm starting to think like, as she will want more things for this doll, I'm just like wanting to order old things off like eBay or something. Like, I think I'm, I'm learning so much on AGIG about like what the best, like best made, you know, product lines were or whatever. And so I feel like I just want to like go for like the best hits, like not just what's out right now.
0: The American Girl that we grew up with versus the american girl that is present today like have some similarities but so many differences and so i think like when thinking about how we want to like share it with future generations it's like so natural that we want them to, to like play with like exactly the things that like we were obsessed with playing with. And it's hard because so much of it is different now. So I think that you're, you're not alone in feeling like, oh, you, you kind of want to get like the stuff that you also recognize from your childhood so that she can sort of relate to, you know, how you were feeling at that same age about it.
2: Yeah, I had my parents visited recently, and I had my mom grab the yellow bunk beds from the girls of today, like that set. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "All right, it's like start bringing some of it with you when you, when you come visit." <laughs> and then I already showed you guys that she brought like all the the mid '90s like ag striped and floral, you know, prints, um, the bag and the fanny pack and the fleece robe, the pink robe and the pajamas and all that stuff. Her birthday's a year a year away, and I'm still plan- like already planning it. <laughs>
0: Yes, no, sometimes it'll take, it'll probably take that long for you to like narrow down exactly how you want to like (laughs) expose her (laughs) to it at first. So Yeah.
1: yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, definitely. And things are made with such high quality materials everything was crafted with such care. And in addition to that, especially with the historic line, there's just such an opportunity for learning that comes with it and to instill that love of history and Mm -hmm. knowledge um, about the past to your daughters is so important. And is such a good exposure to the educational side of American Girl, which I think a lot of us connect with.
2: Yeah. I can't imagine her, like she says she wants a doll that looks like her. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I can't imagine like having an American girl experience without the historical side, which I think a lot of girls do, you know, today, but like Mm -hmm. that was such an important part of it for me. I like, don't get me wrong. I loved the girl today stuff, you know, it's kind of like my core memories are of a lot of those like little accessories and, and outfits. But yeah, I mean, those books were like, I just loved them. I mean, they're like, Helped shape who I was and my interests. And yeah, I just can't imagine like having an American Girl experience without reading all like the whole <laughs> historical yeah. series. Definitely. And now, what yeah. were some of the outfits that you had for your dolls? So, uh, some of my favorites that I really am drawn to, I remember it's like a lot of the springtime birthday outfits. So, Felicity's yes. white gown, I mean, it's Love just it. perfect. The hat, the blue ribbon, like it's so beautiful I even loved um Kirsten's like red boots and her straw hat I basically really liked the spring outfits I guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> anything with a straw hat um and um for like the girl of today stuff though I just I have so many memories of my dolls wearing the that black pajama set so like the little pants with the American girl logo like the, yeah. the, the actual girl AG girl whatever they called her um Like kind of like that rainbow logo and the pink fleece robe. I had the sleeping bags, which my mom just gave me back. Yeah, the yellow bunk beds, that whole vibe was I was very into that. And I think I used those outfits a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That catalog spread of all of the girl of today with the sleep wear, especially with the bunk beds. Like that was such a fun, like iconic moment for the brand. Yeah. Like. it it went from like historic dolls only to like a sharp turn into modern day. And having those options available was just like so much fun. That was such a great collection.
2: Yeah. I wanted everything.
1: (laughs) Right. Did you have any of the clothing that you could wear?
2: I don't think so. I had this shirt that said like proud to be an American girl. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Was Um, it white with the stars on it? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, Love I loved that. that one. And I feel like I had a red sweatshirt with like a black American girl logo. Like, again, maybe that AG girl. And I think it had like a black and white piping like at the mm-hmm. sleeves Ew. and the crew neck. Um, But that was it. I never had any of the the dolls, like historical costumes, even though I yeah. really loved that. I remember in first grade, someone in my class came to school on Halloween in the full Kirsten outfit and her mom had oh my god. it god, sewed it. And she had her, you know, she had blonde, long hair. So she had the whole hairstyle. I mean, it was perfection. And I just remember being like, oh my God
1: one day <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah.
2: that is so fun i feel
0: like those like historic outfits that you could get from american girl were something that like such a small percentage of the population got to enjoy because they yeah. were so expensive like yeah and not all of them were like super practical not that they need to be right but so, yeah. the quality was like so good and I feel like they, you just didn't have enough occasions to wear them, you know? For sure.
2: I think even as a kid, I recognized that. I was like, this is incredible, but like, <laughs> where, where am I wearing it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly, I know. It's like, where am I wearing like Kirsten's like little snowshoeing outfit right. in oh, actuality? Outfit, that,
2: yeah, that sweater, God, that outfit is gorgeous too. Oh right, yeah.
0: So shall we segue into some of the questions behind how you came to be involved directly with American Girl. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, So I guess, Aubrey, if you want to tell us, how did you end up getting your first job working at American Girl?
2: Yeah, well, as I've mentioned, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. And um, one thing I, I also forgot to mention is I feel like Growing up in the suburbs, I would go to like the museums downtown a lot. Mm-hmm. And they had the fairy castle at the Museum of Science and Industry. It actually was featured in American Girl magazine yes! once. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes, We actually posted that on our Instagram um, a few months back. That looked incredible. You've seen that in person?
2: Yeah. So the Colleen Moores Fairy Castle, that's what it was. Yes. So beautiful. And so I had like, I definitely had, um, and then there's also like these miniature rooms at the Art Institute of Chicago. So I definitely like had an appreciation for dolls and miniatures and just like a lot for that. My grandma had the giant Victorian dollhouse, um, you know, just like was clearly like into dolls but yeah so then um I went to the University of Wisconsin Madison um which is just a few hours from Chicago and majored in journalism and it never dawned on me like while I was in Madison that um Middleton was right next door and that that is where American Girl was headquartered I truly had no idea and until one day when um our journalism school just like sent out an email about an internship at ag and i just freaked out and applied and um went in for my interview and i got the internship and it was like the most exciting thing ever <laughs> because that is incredible yeah. even though it's a super corporate like not very exciting headquarters I'd still like you walk into the lobby and they have like display cases of all the dolls and you know a bitty baby and like then I just went into a meeting basically with HR but it was just so exciting and I was able to talk about how I played with the dolls and show them a letter I'd sent them when I was younger and um yeah oh, it was just like very I felt very comfortable there <laughs> Because yeah. like, it's like every day when I would go to work, it was, there's dolls set up everywhere. So it was like, I would see Kirsten or I would see Felicity, you know, it was like, these were like my friends growing up. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was like very, a nice way to start my like big girl job. <laughs> Definitely. Having my childhood toys <laughs> yeah. surrounding Right. It's <laughs> surrounding very disarming. Me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. If only so. we had
1: the opportunity to be amongst dolls at work, Laura, Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aubrey, what role did you have
2: in your internship? Yeah. So I started as a public relations intern. So that was super fun. Um, I realized pretty quickly though that, so I was like writing press releases about the books or the dolls or some new products. And then I quickly yeah. realized that I wanted to be the one like making those products, you know? Okay. Uh,
1: interesting.
2: Yeah. But I, and I also we sat right by the, um, library which is where like the historical researchers sat and so that was so cool just to kind of peek in there and like see all the books on their shelves and you know know that they were working on the dolls and um so and then I just got super lucky that at the end of my internship um a position opened at the magazine and that like almost never happened so it was like truly just like a couple you know one lucky thing after another that these opportunities opened um and so I applied, and and I got it, which was super exciting, and I almost fell over dead. <laughs> That is incredible. Yeah, um, I'm
0: yeah. sure that was so exciting. And prior to, you know, obviously starting this new job at the magazine, mm-hmm. um, was the magazine something that you were engaging with on a regular basis um, when you were in your peak American girl years?
2: Yes, for sure. Just like with the dolls, I probably read the magazine for too long. <laughs> you know, <I> started, started <laughs> early and stayed too late. Um And, yeah, I remember seeing the magazine for the very first time. There was like a local bookstore that I liked. And one day it was just there. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I literally remember that, you know, seeing that first issue. And I just consumed it in one sitting, you know, every time, every time it came, just immediately had to open it and read it cover to cover Loved all the crafts and the stories and the interviews of girls and help column and the mini mag and, you know, paper paper dolls back in the day.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, the paper dolls. I was going to ask what your favorite section was of the magazine, but it seems yeah. like you had
2: many. <laughs> I know. I, th- I just like truly loved it all. It was probably like yeah. the crafty stuff. Like I loved yeah. any, um, I loved all the, you know, the books too. So like that groom your room book, like I loved yes. anything that was about like bedroom decorations or like personalizing your space or like making locker decorations or like, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah. That's uh, fun. Did yes. you ever see, did you ever see the tiny treasures book? Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That was so fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was all over all those books, like had every single one and I really want to find them all now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because my mom does not have all of them. And so I'm going to have to do some some ordering. I also recently ordered the uh, first issue because I have a, a small collection of magazines. I basically kept all the ones that I have something featured in. Yes. Um. Because I couldn't keep like all of them. So there was a, not too long ago, I donated a bunch of back issues, like, and I'm looking back on it being like, I probably should have given that to somebody who like cared about that, <laughs> you know, oh, like no. instead of just like giving it to Goodwill. So I bought the first issue. Yeah. So I could yeah. have that because if I'm remembering correctly at American Girl we did not have the first issue like Really? Yeah, we had like almost every issue like you know in an archive and for whatever reason like we did not have any more of the first issues left. Like I'm sure there was like one in a lockbox somewhere.
1: Yeah. But um
2: <laughs> yeah that I could not access like the very Oh my God. That oh, must have been wow. so cool to
1: like go through the archives and see the yes. issues that you grew up with. That's yes really cool. And now when you started at the magazine, what was your department within the magazine? What, uh, what was your function there?
2: Yeah. So there was just a few editors on staff. So I was the associate editor, which was like the junior editor, you know? And so I would do a lot of the reader submitted content. So the stuff, um, that girls would send in. So the letters in the beginning, you know, yeah. the art- artwork, like any special reader submitted features we did, you know, sometimes we would like, give us your party ideas and we'll, feature three winners, you know? Um, And so there was two ladies on staff who like, whose like full-time job was to read the mail basically. Um, And so we were always just kind of going through tons of letters from girls, which was so fun. I feel like it was such a privilege to go through those, you know, because some of them were just like pouring their heart and soul out, you know? Yeah. So it was really cool to see those letters. That's incredible. Oh my gosh.
1: And the letter that you wrote to American Girl, do you remember what that was about?
2: Yeah. So that was actually more of like a product development, like little catalog. <laughs> like, you know, me, my sister and I like came up with all these ideas and um, like a camping set and like all this stuff. And um, we drew pictures of like what the product would look like. And and then like literally like a month later, they came out with a camping set and we were like, did they take our idea? And it was like, no, of course not. They could like produce, you know, an entire product oh line God. in a month. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, We were excited that we weren't mad, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, so my first um, position, yeah, was associate editor. I had that for uh, a year and then lifestyle editor was the position I got next because someone on staff left. And so that was another like stroke of luck, um, because that's the best job by far, I think. And that was all the like crafts and recipes and parties and photo shoot. And yeah, it was insane. Like, oh my God, the first day I started, I knew like that was the job that I needed to get eventually. Yes. And, um, it was like truly a dream. It was like being a mini Martha Stewart and, um, just every day was different and, it was just so fun. <laughs> like, that is
1: incredible. Yeah. What were some of the parties or crafts that you were working on that were
2: particularly fun? Um, I really enjoyed the food styling. So like any, I don't know, we would do like, sometimes we would just like, re, we would take an old idea and then like restyle it and make it new, you know? So I remember doing like yeah. pop- popcorn or we were doing these little like edible snowmen like that were so cute
1: Cute. made from this edible
2: dough and just like being at a photo shoot and being able to style these little like edible minty snowmen like <laughs> I was like what is my job <laughs> like you know it's wow. so, like silly and then lots of party photo shoots that were really fun uh, we would always do like a summer blowout like a summer on set party with real girls you know or like and so that was always like at some like mansion in the Chicago suburbs. And so that would be like a whole week of like shooting and we would, it would be like water games and like some shots in the pool and then some crafts and some food. And so those are always some of the most fun photo shoots. And every summer we worked, we basically worked a year ahead so that we could Mm -hmm. get things in, in season because like, amazon didn't exist then so it's like like i couldn't find like plastic easter eggs like you know right. like uh, out of season um so, so true. Yeah, yeah so we were always working a year ahead so every summer we were shooting next year's like summer party
0: oh um, that's interesting oh, yeah. that's really cool was there anything that you encountered during your time working for the magazine that
2: you noticed was different from you know when you were a reader yourself not really. It was kind of surprising to me, like how things have stayed the same, even though they've changed so much, you know, and how girlhood is still very like similar, even though clearly there's their social media, their cell phones, you know, there's a lot of differences, but at its core, you know, friendship troubles and, you know, problems with your parents and with your siblings, with school, you know, they all really are kind of the same. And so I think maybe like, you know, the design of the magazine is going to look a little trendier and different, but it's still like at its core, the same kind of issues that we were facing. And I feel like that's how anyone who works like for kids media probably kind of like feels this way where it's like you have like, I think some people are like, how can you write for kids or how, you know, how do you like get in touch with your inner child, you know, and it's like, it's actually not as hard hard as you think. And a lot of people who work in kids media don't even have kids, you know, so Right. Um, It is possible, you know, to to recall that because it is there's some there's so many similarities,
0: I would imagine, especially like with reading the reader submitted content that you would come across so many things that were just universal truths for all of our childhoods, regardless of whether or not you had the internet or didn't have the internet in like your peak childhood years. Like I, I think you're hundred percent right. Like even, you know, in the magazines that like Lindsay remembers from her era versus the ones that I was reading in like the early 2000s, it, it really is pretty impressive how universal they are. Um, and timeless in a way. And I think that's why a lot of people on Instagram also like love revisiting them because you're just like, oh, I remember
2: when I felt like this. Like, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Totally. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a children's book author now. And like the thing you, they always tell you about writing for like middle grade, which is like eight to 12 or even young adult is like the more specific you can be, the more general it's going to become, you know, like those, those specific, Mm -hmm. like little instances from your childhood. So many people can recognize those and gravitate to those same feelings and just pull those same memories. So it's interesting how we all are kind of the same. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And Laura, I
1: love that you said that the content really is timeless and was timeless. And I think for people that are revisiting American Girl and seeing the magazine for the first time in, you know, 20 plus years, it really just brings you back and the content feels fresh still.
2: Yeah. I think it definitely, it, I did. And I, I, as a reader, I always felt like, you know, the people at American Girl, like actually cared about me and understood yeah. me and were taking me seriously. And, and that's certainly how, what I was, you know, I was taking the girls seriously when they wrote into us. And um, yeah, yeah I think that helps it become timeless, you know, like it wasn't, if you read, you know, old timey help columns or something, they're not going to age well, <laughs> you know, but like right. some, somehow American Girl Magazine does, you know, like it doesn't feel super out of touch. I don't know. I feel like the people working there were so wonderful and and everybody took this, you know, special part of childhood so seriously. So I just feel like it created some really amazing content that I'm like, really sad my daughter won't have, you know, yeah. So I'm like hoarding issues now.
1: <laughs> Fair. And it's really interesting that you came from the experience of having the magazine in your experience growing up that you were able to kind of take that responsibility with intensity that you know that you are providing this experience for the next generation to read. And yeah,
2: it, it was kind of intimidating. Like, you know, yeah. it was a little bit scary. And, and it felt a little intrusive at first, almost like reading these letters from girls. Cause I was like, I felt like I was just them not that long ago. Right. You know? So it was, you know, I was only 22 when I started working there. So it was a little wow. crazy. And a lot of my friends had gone on, you know, to like move to Chicago or New York and to their big kid jobs. And I felt like I was almost like taking a step back into my childhood, you know, which yeah. Kind of weird at the time, so it was a little bit of like a mind off at that time, but yeah, (laughs) fair. But but it was also wonderful, (laughs) and I think no one. I had to like play it cool and like no one at the magazine. I think realized how obsessed I had been. You know, like they certainly (laughs) knew like that I played with the dolls and read the magazine and the books, right? I don't think they realized like what a big deal it was for me to to be there and like be working with them and like see all the behind the scenes stuff, like you know. It was just like so cool for me. So
1: definitely, <laughs> something that I noticed, and I don't have uh, magazines from um, the time that you had worked at American Girl, but I do have an archive from the like 1993 era through early 2000s. And something that I noticed is that as we approach Y2K, we're seeing the magazine modernize in small ways, like incorporating celebrity interviews. There is an issue that I'm thinking of with like an interview with Mary-Kate and Ashley and another one with Amanda Bynes, like tapping into those (laughs) queen celebrities. How did the magazine stay current in the mid-aughts while you were there?
2: Because yeah. like
1: in the in the 90s it was like not celebrity driven not fashion driven
2: right per se. I believe there was a period of time where the magazine was like possibly like farmed out to some agency in Chicago for a few years. Like I might memory is fuzzy, but that could have been like during that time. Because when I worked there, it was like a pretty strict no celebrity rule. Oh, interesting. We I was there in like the Hannah Montana era. And it was just like, who knew what these celebrities were going to grow up and become, you know? Right. (laughs) Like, we were like, yeah, it was just like a pretty hard and fast rule. Like, I remember one time we like threw around having Bindi Irwin on the cover. And I think that would have been like really cute and like probably would have worked. But it still was like, even her, it was like me, you know, and that was probably the height of paparazzi and, you know, yeah. like Lindsay and, you know, all that Paris Hilton and everything. So I think everybody just kind of wanted to stay away from celebs. So um at that time, we might have been a little bit out of touch, you know, like there wasn't, we weren't going to have that celebrity aspect. So one of the things I did when I worked at the magazine was like, I think at least like, I don't know, I think it was as frequently as once a month, but I was trying to gather everyone to like watch some current TV shows and stuff. So I would like record like, an episode of Hannah Montana or whatever and we would like yeah I'll get in a room and like watch it you know like I would I would have some I don't know a few hours of like what's currently on Disney and Nickelodeon so we could like try to stay a little bit more up to date you know right um I don't know if anything like officially came of that but I'm sure it helped us like you know pick maybe a little bit more trendy ideas like you know maybe like take a pass on the bowling party you know <laughs> <laughs> like, and pick something else, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was something else I was going to say. I lost my train of thought again, but staying current. Um, were you
1: ever discussing like social media or technology in the issues?
2: Not really. That was like, mm-hmm. that was, uh, a weird time. Cause it was like, social media was like, you know, Facebook. I, I was one of the you know, first people to get Facebook in college, like, you know, our our, university. So like, my coworkers were just getting on Facebook when I started working at American girls. So that was super annoying to me because I just had like four years of like terrible photos of me going out with my <laughs> friends. And then suddenly they're like friending me, like, you know, Oh my God. yes, <laughs> um, Yeah. So yeah. And we, we didn't, we barely had a website at that time. Like the magazine, like we had a very small fun for girls section that I was, th- that was actually a big part of my job too, was trying to like update this website and maybe like take some behind the scenes videos and like try to make that more current. But yeah, it was a weird time where I think we were learning that kids were having cell phones and we're like, oh, my God, like, what does this mean? So it was definitely like a transition period, I feel like.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I would love to see some issues from that time and kind of expand my knowledge of that. That's yeah. really interesting wow. to hear how American Girl approached the changing times for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think we were figuring yeah. it out as we went.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. And to the point, like you don't know how like the trajectory of like a celebrity will be and like you want them to be a good role model. And especially like celebrity culture at that time was like really toxic like the way like, right, celebrity yeah. culture was talked about,
2: yeah, so, so toxic.
1: You know, like, girls don't need to be exposed to that at age, like, seven, right? Like, we see it everywhere. Like, have a safe space for them.
2: Right. Right. And, And,
0: you know, they're going to get exposed to that stuff one way or another from some outlet. It is nice, like, to Lindsay's point, to have, like, a safe space or, like, a designated space where it's like, okay, here's one uh, media outlet directed at girls that's, like, not full of pictures of celebrities or anything like that and I think it again kind of goes back to like the timelessness of it um, where you know if it had had taken that approach it it wouldn't be like the universal that we think of it as being Mm -hmm. today.
2: Yeah. And now that I think back to it, I was there when um, some of the movies started coming out, like the Molly movie and the Kit movie and the Felicity movie. So I feel like we did, we did interview probably Shailene Woodley, like for a feature, you know, so there was, and she wasn't like a thing yet, you know, but so I think there was a way (laughs) to incorporate some like coolness, you know, like she's in a movie, um, but it's still like more safe. Um, And then, of course, and then she went on to be on The Secret Life of the what was the American? Was on the Oh my God. Yeah, like she was American pregnant teenager. Yeah, where she yeah. was pregnant. Yeah, I know. So you truly like <laughs> never know. Um, and then what else is I gonna say? Yeah. So I think maybe Abigail Breslin appeared, yeah, in an issue too, you know, um yeah. as an interview. And then we would do things like just like interview a cheerleader who was on a competitive cheer team. So, like there still was like a cool factor of like real girls mm-hmm. without having mm-hmm. like celebrities.
0: Yeah. How, how did you find the content for the things that weren't like submitted were there calls to action maybe that like were different from like the help topics like for example how did you find that like competitive cheerleader were there calls to action like throughout the magazine maybe for people to submit stories
2: like that Um, that's a good question. I feel like it was just, uh, so we had an articles editor and that was kind of her job to like find these stories. And yes, sometimes girls would write in and we would like hang on to a letter and be like, Ooh, this could be like a good feature.
0: Um, or
2: it would just be like, Hey, we think it would be cool to have, you know, um, an article about cheerleaders so like what does anyone know a local you know cheerleading thing or do we have a freelance writer who has connections to a cheer camp or like we had a freelance writer who was like really into horses so like she had some hookups there you know so it was kind of just like utilizing our network and um and knowing what girls want and what they were asking for and based on their letters.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting to think about because you're seeing girls from all over the country being featured and it's like, mm-hmm. how, how were they discovered? And like,
2: yeah, I mean, we got so many letters. It was crazy. Like, there yeah, was literally two women who just read the mail, you know? So. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah.
2: So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And we would also try to like be very balanced on like ages, like, you know, make sure we have like an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old. Like sometimes we would let a 13-year-old, you know, slide in and then make sure like (laughs) different states were represented, you know, and like that, you know, girls look different. We have some glasses or braces or, you know, like we wanted to make sure everyone felt seen and and represented.
0: Sure. I did not even realize that they... Would be even paying that close attention to like the states that people were coming from to make sure it was like even representation but that makes so much sense oh yeah
2: i mean on one of my first days working there i remember looking at an illustration that was sent in and my boss was kind of like scanning it and it's literally an illustration of a bunch of different girls like playing on a playground and she's like okay everything looks good um ask the illustrator to make one of these girls in a wheelchair just so we can like you know make sure everyone feels welcome it's like the kind of care they were putting into one of the the illustrations on the back page in like the game section to make sure that there was like people felt represented and that so yeah I I mean anything that appeared in that magazine there was so much thought that was put behind it wow
0: that's incredible oh my gosh someone dm'd us about how they were featured in the magazine and I want to see if it's from your era and if you recognize it Oh, that'd be so fun and this girl wrote into our american girl women dms on instagram and said i submitted an essay to them when i was 14 about horse
2: abuse oh no <laughs> they, <Yeah>. they wrote <laughs> they wrote back
0: and said that's a little too dark for this magazine oh my God. do you want to do a story on shampoo and then she submitted the photo from the magazine and it's you're not going to be able to see it but I'll like I'll like send it okay at some point but it's basically oh like her this... with a horse talking about how she's like using the shampoo on her horse and herself and it's like really wholesome and cute
2: but i I love
0: how they gave her the opportunity to like still contribute just right like maybe not with that
2: exact story (laughs) take it down a notch
0: (laughs) yeah but i thought that was so funny Uh, this looks like maybe it could be from like mm, like 2002 or three judging by the style that it appears as like it reminds me of my early reading years of the magazine, but I thought that was so funny because I, all I wanted was to be f- like featured in this magazine and yet I never submitted anything. Right. Right? Yeah, same. I don't think I did
1: either. Same. So crazy. Yeah.
0: Like that, I don't know how yeah. I thought it was going to happen for me without submitting anything.
2: Right.
1: Right. <laughs> Aubrey, when you were there, did they continue with the real girl signatures throughout the magazine?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We had real signatures. Yeah. I had to gather the school photos. Uh, oh we would goodness. only, one thing, if you look at really old issues, it probably says their, it might say their first name, their last name, and even like their hometown and their state. Right. And then you'll notice <laughs> in further issues that it's just like a first name and like a state <laughs> like for safety yeah. reasons. Yeah. we would even blur out if someone sent it a photo and it had the name of their like school or something on it, we would blur it out. Right. Um, yeah. That's so smart for sure. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely had the real signatures, which is yeah. very cute.
1: Yeah, that was something that I had always wondered about. And we had posted something a while ago where um the signatures were featured on the page. I think it was like a heart to heart story where mm-hmm. girls were giving advice. And one of the, um, one of our followers was like, oh my God, that's me. And oh, I was like, so I cute. have to know, like, is that your actual signature? And she said it yeah. was. Yeah, like yeah. They had her like mail in her signature for it. Yeah, I mean,
2: most girls signed their name, so we would never mm-hmm. really even have to ask. And then, yeah, yeah. like part of the process of making the magazine was someone was scanning in all those signatures and all those photos. Oh. Wow. yeah. You know? So, that's so interesting yeah then and then fact checking to make sure it all that's lines so up cool. you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool and then another, another annoying thing we had to do is they they we would always ask them to give us their birth date and we would have to calculate their age based on when the magazine was <gasps> actually publishing <laughs>
1: which is usually oh. a year away
2: <laughs> so it was like a math problem you know like every time we were like publishing a little reader feature. Yeah. We're oh like, okay, God. check the birthday. And when is the issue? Is this coming out? Okay. So they're going to be nine, <laughs> not eight. <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The level of detail that yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And similarly with the
1: help section in the back, I don't know if this was still a feature that was in the magazine when you were there, but mm-hmm. they always have like signatures or names that were related to the problem were those mm-hmm. created by the
2: magazine staff or did no those them? girls sent those in yeah oh my god yeah that's their signatures too like they're just scanned in oh my in. god yeah. yeah they would send in the best like oh god it was so good <laughs> wow yeah oh I have my some gosh of the, I kept some of the letters because they were just like such a treat
1: <laughs> were there ever like times where you're just like oh my god like everyone you need to stop what you're doing
2: and read this yes, letter all the time yeah we would like <laughs> route, we would sometimes route them around to the whole company and then like my boss would sometimes give me like extra funny ones that came in that she one girl was like I want to be in the Star Wars club but like none of my friends want to and like you know but I said <laughs> I still really like Star Wars and so my boss was like is this you <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I love Star Wars you know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that was funny or like my my favorite that i always talk about was someone sent it a poem and it was like it was called life is like opening a barbie so if you're out there listening please <laughs> please message us it was talking about like how life is like opening a Barbie, and it, it's very hard, but like once you get through it, like it's it's really worth it. And I was oh like, that's the best poem I've ever read in my life, because <laughs> opening a Barbie is that's so beautiful. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was, like, oh my like, god. Some epic things that came in.
1: <laughs> wow. Oh wow. Aubrey, working at American Girl HQ, did you ever encounter any AG icons, like any authors or illustrators? Or perhaps even pleasant?
2: Yeah, I did get to meet um, most of the historical authors. So pretty soon after I started at the magazine, there was like some kind of events where they brought all the authors in. Mm -hmm. And so I got to meet Valerie and Janet and Connie. And like, yeah. So um, that was amazing. And again, it was just me and like one other girl that I knew of that had been like really into American Girl and were currently working there. And so I just feel like, Everyone else was on more of like a work relationship with these like authors, but like we were fangirling, you know, and we were having right. them, you know sign our books, and so Valerie signed. So I told her my story real quick, you know, like we I used to live in you know, now I work here, and <laughs> and, um, and she signs like to Aubrey, a great friend of the American Girls, you know, and I was like, oh, oh. Was so cute, like yeah, so that was cool, and then pleasant, like so I have been told the day that she left like so you know I think around 1998 she sold to Mattel I was told that so there's this um oak tree outside of American Girl headquarters and if you work at the company for five years you become part of the oak tree club and um I even have some like coasters that are made from fallen branches from the oak tree and they're stamped with like American Girl like logo and um Yeah. So apparently on that day, everybody gathered under the oak tree and then like the sun was setting and she just like walked into the distance and like never came back. Like, so (laughs) yeah, I mean, truly never, ever came back. And a couple years into me working there, they had a round of layoffs and one of the people who was laid off was like kind of who I would have considered my mentor. She was she was one of the founding editors of American Girl Magazine. And she like launched the whole advice and activity line. Like she was like incredible. And I could not believe like they had let her go. And in the meantime, over the past few years, like Pleasant had started a new company. So it was called, I think it was called the Roland Reading Foundation. And it was just like, I don't know, a couple miles down the street. So Pleasant swooped up some of the people who got laid off because she had been obviously familiar with working with them. So I stayed in touch with my like favorite mentor lady and she was like, well, why don't you swing? Like, let's get lunch. Why don't you swing by the office? And so in my head, I'm like, please let me be pleasant, you know? (laughs) And then when I came to, um, meet her for lunch, she's like, oh, let's see. I think pleasant's here. Like, let's go up and say hi. And so we go up to her office and it was like, literally like meeting the queen of England. She was like sitting, in her chair in her desk like way at the end of the office and we were like back by the door and she like maybe stood up I'm not sure and just like said hi like I feel like I wasn't allowed to like touch her or like, <laughs> get too close you know and um it was very brief you know but I did get to meet her and it was very exciting and she was super nice um, oh wow. my gosh yeah so that was cool I felt like that was a, a bucket list thing to me possibly. yeah I'm not, I feel like not many people have like she's pretty hidden you know like she's not yes I don't know an easy person to find so
0: yes it seems like and maybe i I think perhaps like throughout the years this has changed we did have one past guest who met pleasant at the felicity launch event in colonial williamsburg but that was like you know peak pleasant company and it does feel kind of surprising that we don't really hear from her much at all from like you know the early 2000s to present day and i think like there have been so many articles written recently about american girl nostalgia like it's been featured in the new york times it is kind of shocking that like she hasn't like commented or right i don't know we have no
2: idea what she thinks of all this yeah i mean i think she like i think this was her thing like i'm gonna sell it and i'm I'm done. And she is stuck to her guns. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. there is, she has not said a thing. I don't even think people like I, you know, worked with people who like stayed in touch with her. And I don't think she asks anything. She doesn't want to know anything. Like, yeah, it's kind of I mean, I kind of applaud her for it, because we've seen how much American Girl has changed. Someone needs to write a biography or like, she needs to write her own biography you know because she's a writer (laughs) um just like the Judy Bloom documentary that just came out I'm like somebody's got to get pleasant and like yes get all the details yeah because she's yeah and she's very present in like behind the scenes in Madison because I used to live there and like her husband's a big donor to all these you know organizations and so there's like the Overture Center for Performing Arts and the Edgewater Hotel has ties to her and you know she's very active like in the community but everything's always under her husband's name Um, interesting and yeah and she'll like you know occasionally you'll see her name appear so I think she just prefers to be out of the spotlight clearly
1: right yeah yeah we saw a story bubble up maybe like a year or so ago that she also is like working on bed and breakfast renovations in a town in New York, in like western New
2: York by the Finger Lakes. Yeah. And actually I, I would love to know more about that. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I don't know any details, but yeah, she's clearly I mean, the I think the main inspiration for American Girl was Colonial Williamsburg and like yeah, mm-hmm. Felicity was her first, like was really like the I feel like where she got the inspiration even though Felicity wasn't a first doll but like you know that's like where that love happened so I think she clearly loves a historical town or like a you know
1: some kind
2: of renovated historic buildings and I think she's clearly a fan of history and preserving definitely so
0: I definitely agree
2: that there's like a
0: story there though as far as like her as a woman who started her own company and was heavily involved in that company um you know made a lot of money from selling that company and then has gone on to participate in other businesses like i am surprised that we don't hear more about her just as like you know a hycoon if you will of like women in in business because i mean she's clearly like had made some very savvy business decisions with American Girl to grow it to the point where it could be sold to Mattel and I I would definitely be interested in like hearing someone or herself like write a a profile on her you know and and how all that came to be because I do think it's yeah. very inspirational.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it was funny when I left the company um my husband decided to get his MBA in another state and so he was at Ohio State um getting his MBA. And in one of his marketing classes, they did like a Harvard business review, like case study on American girl. And it's just, cause it's such a good brand and like the retail right. experience and everything. And so, I mean, yeah, it is recognized in the business world as, you know, a legitimate like powerhouse and sure just being in like children's media, it reminds me of like things like twilight where people really undervalue, like women and girls as consumers and just like what kind of right. media they produce and consume. And so it's just, it's just another example of like a giant, super powerful brands that is clearly like super iconic. We're still talking about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, and it, yes, it was focused on women and girls, but like, you know, it doesn't make it any more less legitimate, you know?
1: Sure. Absolutely. We talk about that a, a bit on this podcast, how women and girls' interests are sometimes diminished in that yeah. way. And these stories are so important to share and- mm-hmm. I'm glad that was recognized within that program. And now from the magazine, did you transition into writing books for American Girl while you were still at the magazine or did that come later?
2: A little bit later. So basically um, the book department and magazine department were very separate. We sat Mm -hmm. by each other, but so we had like the historical ladies sat downstairs like, and they did the fiction right next to the product development people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were upstairs the magazine and across from us was the contemporary books and so we were all very like operating separately even though we were very close to each other um, and so I wasn't really like allowed to write a book because I wrote for the magazine you know I was sure. an there now I think there's much more crossover but anyway so I asked if I could write a book and I was told like not. Well, I think I asked to be a senior editor. Like I was like a very ambitious, like, you know, mid twenties <laughs> and like was ready to get promoted again, even though people yeah. had been working there for like 10 years and weren't a senior editor yet. Um, And so I think my boss was like, well, you would have to take on some more work and write a book. And I was like, great, I'll write a book. And then it was like, well, actually we can't do that because other people need to write a book first and whatever. My husband decided to get his MBA in a different state. Well, we were just dating at the time. And so I decided to to leave and, you know, looking back at it, I'm like, God, that was the best job ever. Like, how did I leave? But then <laughs> it ended up being great, because literally, I think there was like a two month waiting period or something that I wasn't allowed to like freelance for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they asked me to write two books, and then they asked me to write two more. And so... In wow. that first year of leaving the company, I had four books under my belt and then went on to write like six more. So that, yeah, they that's were all incredible. Ad- yeah. So it worked. I mean, it was like a bold move on my part, but um, right, um. yeah, but I got to write, I think it was nine or 10 advice and activity books. And that was so two slumber party books, which was like my dream to write a slumber party book because- when I was growing up, I another way I, like, interacted with the brand is that I always had birthday parties where everyone brought their, you know, slumber parties where everyone brought their American Girl dolls. And I always had a theme and made the invitations and, like, had a crossword puzzle with all the guests, like, names and they <laughs> hidden. hidden. Like, That's um, so sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome to actually write a couple slumber party books, you know. Yeah. Was, like, a dream. <laughs> Seriously, another
1: full circle moment for you. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then I went what on a to, dream. yeah, and then I went on <laughs> to, um, we moved back to Chicago and then, um, a lot of their photo shoots were in Chicago, um, mm-hmm. and their, their cover shoots. And so I went on to freelance for probably another six, seven, eight years, uh, helping style their photo shoots and freelancing for the magazine. So, Excellent. yeah, That's yeah,
0: so it's, cool. it's amazing that you were able to, you know, stay connected with them at all these different touch points in your life from like childhood to your very first internship to your first job to moving into another phase of life and coming back and being able to work mm-hmm. with them having 10 books under your belt with them is very impressive is there a non-fiction or fiction book that would be like your dream topic to write on in partnership with them
2: yeah I would love to do a girl of the year book I think that would be a possibility for me. <laughs> Throwing my name in the hat. <laughs> yeah, ah. I think the historical books are incredible. I, would, I mean, that would be a dream too, but I think it would be so fun to work on a girl of the year book. And yeah, I just, I love, I did get to help once develop a girl of the year doll um, and sit in on a couple of meetings and it was like in a very early brainstorming stage. So I don't even know mm-hmm. what came of it, but yeah. So i we always like our working in editorial, our badges, our security badges did work for the product development area, like because the historical ladies were connected over there. So I always felt very cool, like walking through the doll area and the product area, like, seeing <laughs> all this stuff. So anyway, I would love to, yeah. to actually like write some content for one of the dolls. I think that would be like the pinnacle of it all.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Do you, do you know who that girl of the year became ultimately
2: I don't like I, I was thinking of this today where I was like what, what like what did we talk about in that meeting I feel like they just brought me in because I was the youngest person who worked there and they were just trying, like trying to pick my brain <laughs> you know
1: that's um, fair
2: yeah amazing so. in,
1: in writing these books or maybe even for future endeavors of working with American Girl are they providing you with the topics or are you pitching your ideas
2: Yeah. So it's all work for hire. So basically they develop the concepts in-house and then hire a writer to execute those ideas. And so that's, uh, you know, they come up with the idea based on their marketing research and, Mm -hmm. you know, what their needs are. And um, so a lot of times, a lot of the times though, it was just like, literally like, okay, um, we need a slumber party book. It's 96 pages go, you know, (laughs) or like, wow, we we need a quiz. We need two quiz books. Uh, Pitch me some ideas. (laughs) Oh my God.
1: And how do you, how do you approach writing these books? Like what's your methodology there?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was kind of similar to the magazine, but just, you know, bigger, you know, longer. Yeah, Um, We were always trying to do something new and something different. So it's a lot of brainstorming, which is like a really good skill that I learned there. We had like these epic brainstorming sessions, for example, in a slumber party book, just coming up with a lot of themes and letting your editor, you know, pick the best ones. And then there's always like a format that you're following. So we're going to have our invitation. We're going to have our favor. We're going to have our, our, at least right. one or two recipes. We're going to have a game, you know, we're going to have like a little intro and a little outro about helping your parents clean up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, yeah, so there's, there's always kind of like a format and then you're just, you know, playing within that sandbox of trying to come up with some new ideas what's the
0: thing that you missed the most about working there once you left
2: yeah so I have so much and sometime (laughs) around like 2020 when like everyone had a crisis I was like really thinking about the answer to that question because I was like doing a lot of freelancing children's book writing and felt like I was on a hamster wheel and so what I loved was like photo shoots was being on set with people and real kids actually interacting with kids was like kind of doing something different every day and being involved in like the whole creative process from start to finish and like being able to brainstorm an issue and then also like see it in my hands you know come to print yeah so that was my favorite part and I made like a slight career pivot and started my own publishing company and basically took it, I kind of asked myself like what if American Girl had taught me engineering and I developed this like career book series for girls called the lookup Series and that is like has made me very happy to kind of fill that American Girl void because I got to do photo shoots and create like content that felt very geared toward girls that will make a difference and that's what it really comes down to is like working for a company that's like truly making a difference you know it's like I don't need to like work for like a nonprofit per se, but knowing that like the content I produce could really like help kids was really crucial to my like work happiness. And I yeah. feel so lucky that I got to do that for so long. And so now I'm happy to keep doing that. And if you're missing the American Girl Magazine void, I've got a little spinoff kind of um, that might help fill that.
1: Could you tell us a little bit more about the Look Up series?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's real women in STEM careers. So I really wanted to be an Imagineer, as I mentioned, and work for Disney. And one day I was driving onto the Disney campus to go meet with my editor and pulling into Disney Publishing and the Imagineering building was right there. And I was just like, oh my God, in another life, like I would have been pulling into that parking lot. Like what the heck? And then my badge even said like Walt Disney Imagineering with my name, like just the parking security badge. And I was like, oh my God, like I had this moment where like my name was on Imagineering, but yet I was not an Imagineer. And kind of asked myself, what if American Girl had taught me engineering? And so I found these ladies in STEM careers. So, of course, I got my theme park designer. And I have an ice cream scientist, a toy engineer, video game developer, and a beauty chemist. And so they're just like, yeah, like a fun biography series with, of course, I did like crafts and recipes in the back, like activities um, that are kind of like STEM focused and some journaling prompts. Wow. And what age? Eight to 12. Yeah, yeah. Oh so it's goodness. very, very much ag vibes, but it was, it spawned from me missing that American Girl magazine void, you know, and, and just loving creating like, you know, content for kids that just helps them get through childhood and helps make them be better people and also helps girls in particular. And that was just right. like a, really, a really nice mission to work toward, you know, especially when I was in my 20s.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like there's such a need for number one books that explore different types of careers, because I think we have such a narrow view of what's open to us at a young age. Um, But then also specifically that are highlighting women in those various Mm -hmm. careers as well. And I think it's so clear that like this is su- such in the same vein as american girl it's the same goal i feel like at the end of the day which is like to empower young girls and right. i i love that concept and there's so there's unlimited options really for what you could cover too because yeah. you know women are so present in so many different industries now so i think that's awesome mm.
2: thank you yeah and it really like after, you know, 2020 and social justice movement and stuff and being a mom, you know, a lot of my friends who are also moms were kind of talking about like different, you know, content for kids that's diverse and, you know, celebrates everybody. And, and I kind of had this moment where I was like, yeah, duh. Like I've been doing that, you know, since I was 22. Like, as I mentioned, like my first day on the job, my boss was like, make one of these girls in a wheelchair, you know, And so, and we went out of our way to make sure we had diverse girls on the cover. And like, I think American Girl did, people have opinions on the the doll selection, but you look at the magazine, like we did, I think a pretty good job of like showcasing diverse girls that also made me want to like do this on my own where I was like, I'm going to put some diverse women on the cover. And like, really, Mm -hmm. I want girls to continue to, to see that.
1: That's incredible. And it's really in the spirit of AG of showing girls, their potential and, showing the options that are out there, especially like coming from like being a nineties kid where I thought my like job options were like doctor, lawyer, and like not realizing like what opportunities were really out there for myself until, you know, even like graduating college, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And then it was kind of like a moment being like, wait, like I love like all things beauty. I could go into the beauty industry. Like this is an option. Like yeah, no one puts
2: those pieces together for you. It's insane. And and as a kid, like, just as I mentioned earlier that like, you know, something that seems so specific can actually be very general. When I was a kid, I was really obsessed with what I was going to be one day. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was obsessed with Imagineering and potentially working at American Girl. And, you know, I wrote letters to both companies and, um, and like, I didn't have an engineering book for me, you know, especially showcasing a woman. So it's also just like kind of writing the book that I wish I had when I was a kid, which is this Tracy theme park designer, you know, this is the book I needed to help me become an imagineer, you know? yeah. Um, So I just like kind of filling that void. And yeah, there's some insane studies out there. Like if you ask a seven-year-old what they want to be and ask them again, when they're 17, there was like this study in the UK that mm-hmm. it often hasn't changed. And, you know, and their answers are usually just based on either their parents or what they see in right. the media. So they might be like an athlete, a pop star, you know, <laughs> like these yeah. unrealistic things. And, but yeah, the fact that like the job you've chosen at age seven is like what you might have in your mind as you apply for college. It's like right. So right. Like, you know, oh like there's God. more options out there. And then I love, too, just that American Girl. I feel like a lot of us that were obsessed with American Girl in history went on to be historians and, you know, right. writers. And so that's cool, too, that American yeah. Girl had that impact.
1: Absolutely. And now looking
2: ahead, Aubrey, what could we expect from you for future projects? What are you working yeah, on? Well, basically working on the lookup series. I'm selling books direct from the website now. So that's a big was a big project. So I'm just kind of still getting the word out there. And I would love to do more books in this series. But yeah, that's the big, the big project right now, just getting the word out. That is incredible. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yes. And then I've Inc- also got my eye on. You know, if American Girl Magazine ever resurges here in El Segundo, like in L.A., because Mattel's here, then like I'm putting my name in the hat for executive Yes. <laughs> of, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I'm always looking over there to see oh my God. if American Manifest Girls. <laughs> yeah, getting any. I, I feel like they're like leaving Wisconsin and just going to be in L.A. at Mattel. So got my eye on them, too.
0: Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Well, congratulations on, you know, launching your book series and also, you know, being the sole controlling factor of it as well, which I think is a very, very big deal. Thank you. (laughs) And of course, and I guess this is a perfect segue into our last question that we ask all of our guests. Aubrey, what's the lasting impression that American Girl has left on you?
2: I feel like it was very much reminding me that it's okay to be myself and to have confidence in my own interests and just who I am, and but also to like care for others and fight for other people and for what I believe in, you know, so I feel like um, there certainly was an element of like political activism, you know, (laughs) running under these These books always in the magazine sharing stories of girls doing good things and volunteering, and I I certainly wasn't doing anything like that at that you know at that age. And I remember, do you guys remember the Big Help from Nickelodeon? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I would yeah. like like sign up for the Big Help, but then like wouldn't do it, you know. <laughs> like, my mom would be like, "Go pick up trash in the park." Yeah. Um, but anyway, I feel like it was always like inspiring me to be a better person. It's
1: incredible though. This brand had such. A big impact on us all to be more empathetic, kinder, to really care about our community while also kind of instilling that sense of being proud of who you are as well. And I think with the magazine showing that diversity and raising up girls' voices from around the country, had such a meaningful impact and it's incredible that you were there behind the scenes encouraging the next generation of girls to feel that same ag spirit it's really yeah. amazing
2: thank you it was an awesome job it was the best <laughs> it truly was
1: and thank you for sharing all of these like insights with yeah. us today this is yeah. so I amazing. know so my mind is
0: my mind is blown and I feel like we covered so much, but I'm sure there's like even more we could.
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I was thinking oh. that the only other random story I was going to tell was, um, I was at the American Library Association conference, um, in DC last June, like pretty soon after I had my second kid and, um, Valerie Tripp was there. And so I was like, I gotta go say hi to Valerie, <laughs> you know, and she was yeah. signing books. Um, cause she has a new book series, like a new girls in STEM book series, uh, fiction for National Geographic. Oh, wow. And, okay. um, So I was, I wanted to go say hi to her. And when I got up there, I kind of explained who I was again, you know, like the same awkwardness, like when I met her when (laughs) I was like 22 and, um, she was like, Oh, I, I like saw your name that you were here and I was gonna reach out to you because we've both written for American Girl <gasps> and National Geographic. So we're like part of a little sorority together. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> Yeah, and it was the sweetest thing ever. And so then I gave her one of my stickers from you know my new book series and she put it on and I was like, Oh, so cute. Cause it was oh like a goodness. Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote, like, never underestimate the power of a girl with a book. And um so she wow. was wearing a, a lookup series um Aww. sticker. So that was very exciting for me.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Oh my god, yeah. that's that's so amazing. I'm I'm so yeah. glad that you just dropped us that anecdote. It's such a nice, <laughs> nice thing to know that Valerie Tripp is as nice as like we would all hope that she oh is. Oh my god.
2: Yeah. She is <laughs> ridiculously nice. Yeah. I mean wow. each, each person she was signing a book for, it was like as if she like knew them, you know, like just Aww. striking up a conversation, Ugh. like truly the nicest person ever.
1: That is Ugh. incredible. I'm so yeah. happy to hear that. Yeah. She's really so incredible.
2: She had such a great
1: interview with Sydney. Um, I listened to that. Did you hear yeah, that? Oh my yes. God. I feel like yeah. I learned so much. She was sharing such yeah. interesting info.
2: That was like a crash course in writing a historical book for American <laughs> girls. So I was like, deep, 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 taking notes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's
1: great. Aubrey, we have a couple games that we'd love to play now um, to right. wrap up the podcast. Mm-hmm. And the first is going to be our dinner party game. Which okay. is, if you were to invite any two historical characters to a dinner party, and this could be anyone from the dolls themselves or their friends or family members or frenemies, whoever you'd like, which two characters are you bringing to dinner?
2: So immediately who came to mind was um, Samantha's, is it Aunt Cornelia?
1: Yep. Is that her name? Yes. 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 Yeah.
2: Because I just remember, I haven't read the books in so long, but the Samantha books, but I just remember her seeming so glamorous and like I would just love to have lunch with her and hear more about her life and also get like the deets on Uncle Guard and their oh, yeah. house situation <laughs> and adapting Nellie. And yeah, I feel like there's a lot to learn there. I also <laughs> like almost was going to say Grand Mary, but like I feel, because I have a lot of questions for her, but I feel like she wouldn't answer any of them. Like I wouldn't learn <laughs> No, not her. So then I'm gonna go to um, Felicity because he was like, I just feel like she would be a lot of fun. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and I I know you guys had mentioned maybe changing the question to who would you want to go on a road trip with. And I oh think yeah, Felicity for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Those are two like really strong, forward-thinking women that <laughs> would be so fun to be in conversation
2: with. Like, yeah, love their energy. Right. Lots of spunkiness. Right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. No, they're definitely, like, in the same – they're written in the same font, if you will, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, moving on to our celebrity question. Aubrey, you gave us a list of your favorite celebrities. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick just one. And okay. you're going to say yeah. which American Girl doll you think he would have <laughs> – and I'm going to make it extra hard. Well, I think this would be the case regardless, but he probably doesn't even know what American Girl dolls are. But which doll do you think Harrison Ford would have? <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> you guys might have to help me out on this. I have been thinking about it. I'm I'm leaning toward uh, maybe Kaya. I don't really know mm, why, no. but, you know, I'm thinking I'm le- like leaning Indiana Jones, like thinking adventurous I don't know why like explorer yeah I
0: I, I think that this is a good train because uh Kaya does have that adventure element but she also Mm -hmm. seems like more on the reserved side and I feel like Harrison Ford is a very reserved man from what yeah. I've seen of like his his <laughs> interviews yeah. and stuff. And I could yeah. totally see him yeah. gravitating towards um, a character with like a really interesting backstory, but with like a lot of like authority and dignity to their story as well. And I feel like Kaya is a great fit for him.
2: Yeah. And he's kind of like too cool for school. So he wouldn't pick one of the like Most popular dolls, you know, like the one of the original, like AGO. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. And I definitely don't think he'd pick one that was like too like superficial in their stories. Like I think Samantha would be maybe a little bit too like privileged for him to like enjoy that kind of thing. And I think Molly would maybe be like a little too silly. So I think (laughs) Kaya. I think Kaya is a nice one. The only other one I could see maybe would be like a Kirsten perhaps just because she's very like earthy down to earth. But I think
2: Kaya is the best answer
1: of the two.
2: (laughs) He's he's on my list of celebrities I really want to see here in L.A. And I got so close one time. I literally was at happy hour across the street when he was at the REI in Santa Monica. Like I was like there, like literally waiting for my friend and then was like, I should get us a table and like went in. And then it was like, world news that harrison ford walked into rei in santa monica and i was like oh my that?
0: god that, yeah. and that's so on brand for him being a kaya as
2: well yeah right maybe that's why i said it too yeah, yeah. oh my
0: gosh that's amazing i bet you'll get your your chance I hope um so. i feel like it has to happen <laughs> right yeah.
1: we're putting that out here tonight yes we are right. also putting Fingers out cross. that American Girl magazine comes back, and that you write a book in historical series. Thank you. Or girl of today, or girl Girl of the the year. year. Yeah, yeah. Any of those, right? (laughs) Thank you, Uh, Aubrey. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so so much for connecting with us today. It is truly such a joy to hear all about your experiences with American girl from your time growing up with the brand through to your career.
2: So thank you thank so much you. for joining
1: us and sharing all of this. Yeah. And I
2: just want to say thank you to the whole like AGIG community. Cause I, I, I did feel very alone, like working at American girl as someone who had like interacted with the brand as a kid. And I think I I like had a lot to process and there was no other like adults to process it with. (laughs) So it's been so nice to like see everybody like kind of come out of the woodwork. And like, you know, I like after I left American Girl, they gave me a, a doll that looks like me and they kind of like, make, you know, add little accessories just to make it look like you. And I remember feeling so weird having the doll in my home office. Cause I was like, Are <laughs> my friend's going to think I'm crazy, but I was like, I worked there. Like I'm allowed to have a doll. You know, yeah. like, I was very proud to work at the magazine and on the books because I knew like most, you know, more girls could afford mm-hmm. the books or the magazine. And I know a lot of yeah, you know, the dolls were out of reach for a lot of people. And so that was important to me to kind of like stay connected to the books and magazine. And so, yeah, yeah, when I see grown women who are like never got the opportunity to have a doll, it's like, yes, buy it. That is so amazing right. when they can do that. Like absolutely, absolutely buy it. I just, I love that so much. Agreed i'm gonna go buy (laughs) samantha's birthday set now
0: (laughs) yep (laughs) all the birds you should as you should (laughs) well thank you everybody so much for listening and we'll see you next time